name is Manisha Gurong. I am the founder and manager of Gali Rapids Expeditions. When you board one of our rafts, you can look forward to an exciting, safe, and very wet trip down the glass bow stretch of a beautiful river. My team and I believe that our river rides are more than just an exciting adventure. We believe they help spread a message to visitors about preserving wild places, like our forest. Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 205. We're continuing our storytelling series, this time about Kali River Rapids. I picked this one and I knew I would be excited because I'm always excited for Animal Kingdom. But I feel like this one has me almost like giddy. Because reading about it just gave me almost like a new level of excitement. And now I'm itching to go back. You also used your old history job. You did used to teach about some of these subjects and Hinduism and ancient civilizations. So do you think that plays a role in this? I think it could. I mean, I think I just appreciate everything about like Animal Kingdom and the Imagineering and all the thought that goes into it. I mean, even with like Expedition Everest, we kind of saw the same thing. Like, I just really appreciate all the attention to detail. And I think, you know, Kali River Rapids falls into that same vein of just like extreme Imagineering. And I do think that they were very intentional um, in trying to make sure that they did this ride like justice as far as the geographic area. So, yeah. So we're already giving away a lot of your thoughts, but if you are new here and this is your first time listening, this storytelling series is just something new that we are diving into where we're looking at different Disney attractions and trying to look at them through a storytelling lens. So that the next time we experience them, we have a new appreciation for them or we catch something new or it draws out a different emotion for us. And I know I say this every week, but we accomplished it again. I feel like this one is one. You wrote it last week. Mm-hmm. I did not get to go with you. Uh, I was working. Do that work. I was working. So you and your sister went and we never ride this ride. I mean, you thought maybe it had been 10 years since you wrote it. Yeah. I mean, because this one growing up, this was a must do for my family. And I've mentioned it before on here, but it's because my mom will only do water rides for whatever reason. It could be, you know, a log flume with a huge drop, a river rapid ride. Like as long as there's water, she does it. So um, because it was hard to get her on rides. I mean, this was a must do. So this one does also have the nostalgia factor for me because I have a lot of great memories on this ride. Um, but yeah, we just hadn't wrote it because we hate mostly me. We hate like wet shoes (laughs) in the parks. It's a big pet peeve. So we just skip it. 
And I was so pleasantly surprised. I'm like I said, I I really want to write it again. So and I think just from this research, I'm excited to write it next time. I don't know when we're going back to Animal Kingdom, but next time we do, we're wearing sandals because we're riding Kali River Rapids. Yes. It's in it's on the record now, so we're holding you to it. Um, one other piece of housekeeping before we get started. We are going to do a bonus episode on Friday. So we kind of randomly realized that on Wednesday of this week, we will have now been to all four parks at Walt Disney World since they reopened. So we want to have a discussion about the pros and cons and the different uh, kind of ways that each individual park is doing things. And so that if you are planning on doing a trip or if you're just interested and how things are operating, we're going to jump into some of those things. And our friend Colleen from WDW Park Planners is going to join us for that as well. So we're really excited for that. Tune in on Friday. Make sure you're subscribed and get that notification. And um, we'll have that bonus episode for you. Yeah. So are we ready to jump in? Yeah. Take us through the ride walkthrough. Okay. Um, and the one thing that I'm going to preface with is um, we do research before you know doing these episodes and we try to learn everything that we can um and just you know familiarize ourselves with everything and this week we actually found a really cool website and this is just a random find that the history teacher and me felt like i needed to give credit where credit was due um it's wdwfanzone.com and if you're ever looking for um just a more like in-depth with pictures kind of look at some of these things that we're talking about. We found some really good information here. It's a professor who just loves Disney and likes to write about everything and anything. So that's where some of this information came from. I just thought it was cool in case you're ever looking to check it out. Yeah. And it is crazy. If you try to do research on this, this is spread out so far across the internet. I know for a fact, once we start, you know, diving deeper. And maybe if we go to extinct attractions at some point, maybe, I don't know if we will or not, because it doesn't really stick to a storytelling lens of that you can experience in the future. But anyway, we're gonna have to get into literature, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it's crazy how much information is out there, but it's not all in one spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and we I'll say, you know, maybe we're not always right on the money, but we do try to fact check things as much as we can and look at multiple sites. Um, sometimes we still make mistakes, but we do try. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But ride walkthrough. Here we go. So, of course, Collie River Rapids is located in the Asia section of Animal Kingdom in the town of Anandapur. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But as you are walking back to the ride itself, it is kind of um, farther in the back of Asia. Very similar to maybe how Kilimanjaro Safari is in the back part of Africa. But as you walk back to the queue, you pass by the decaying temple with the gibbons, which are always fun to watch, especially in the morning. They're very vocal. You can hear them across like the entire park, I feel like. I'm trying to think. I don't know when if when I was there with Liz this past time, I really heard him as much. But we were there in the afternoon, so maybe they were sleeping. 
I remember we were in Dino Land recently. We heard them. They are loud. They got some pipes. They could be like opera singers or something. But this was actually supposed to be part of the original ride, or at least in some of the drawings that we've seen. And guests would float by the Gibbons on their journey down the river. But the entrance to the queue. Um, um, you skip something. I'm scared to say it. I don't know if I can pronounce the river. I'm so bad with pronunciations. Chakranadi is my best guess. Chakranadi. That's way different than I would have said it, but it's solid. So we'll go with it. Chakranadi River. The entrance to the queue itself is through the Kali River Expedition's home, which is on stilts. And it mimics how authentic homes would be in parts of Asia, like India and Nepal. Thailand and Indonesia, which is where Anandapur is kind of set to look like. They didn't want to just pick one country. They wanted to kind of mix it all together. Makes sense, I guess. Would you say, I guess, have we talked about it? Is Africa based off one country? I guess I always assumed that it was Kenya, but I have no idea. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think you can maybe you know, see different things and pick apart. Like this kind of reminds me of this place or that place. But I think maybe they wanted to get away from that, which is why they kind of took elements and, you know, especially like architectural parts from each one and kind of combined them. You're probably, I mean, Africa is probably that same way now that I'm thinking about it. Cause now I think you get like influences of Zimbabwe and South Africa, Tanzania, probably as well. So they're probably set up the same way. I'd say so. Just like the walk to get back to the ride, the queue itself is quite long. And you start just by walking through, you know, lush jungles and forests before coming to the actual kind of town of Anandapur. And this area is also known as Tiger Temple. And here you see lots of brightly colored signs referencing the many types of tourism. So they have things like bicycle tours, um, whitewater rafting, of course. There's a sign for a local hotel that I remember seeing and I really thought it was cute. And then you see lots of different carts with supplies and fruits. And in what I've read, and me and Brendan actually found different numbers, but there are over 4,000 props in this area. Well, and the props are all true to Southeast Asia as well. So they're not just things that they found, right? Yeah, very similar to how they did for Expedition Everest. You know, they sent a team of Imagineers over to these different parts of the world where they would, you know, buy these artifacts and things to bring back. So I don't know if every single one of them are authentic, but I'd say a vast majority of them are. Yeah. I mean, I would say like the fruit in the fruit stamps is not going to be, <laughs> I think, but I know like a lot of the artwork and a lot of the pictures are things that they actually collected. And again, I think, I think this is why you love animal kingdom so much because it does have that attention to detail that seems like it's a step above everywhere else that we go. Mm-hmm. Just because it is based off real life places. So instead of it being created in a workshop, this is actually something that they are sourcing from 
where it's supposed to be based off of. And so I think that's for all of you Animal Kingdom crazy people like you. (laughs) I think that's probably the allure of it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and these are places that ever since I was a little kid, they've just fascinated me. I mean, it's been my dream for forever to visit some of these places. And it does give you that sense, you know, obviously I can't go there right now. It might take me a few years, but this is the closest kind of most authentic experience I can get. One part of the queue that really stood out to me as we were walking through it just this past week was right in front of the Tiger Temple area. There are these bells and on the bells, they have these red ribbons that are tied onto them. And I remember thinking, you know, obviously it's very beautiful, but kind of what is the meaning behind this or what does it represent? And it represents prayers that were left behind by traveling by people who were traveling and passing by. And along with, you know, a lot of the other things within the Tiger Temple, it definitely references Hinduism and Buddhism, which are the predominant religions in this area. And this is kind of where Brendan was mentioning earlier that I taught about this in my social studies classes. One of the big things that we taught, at least in Tennessee, was like major world religions because it went with the ancient cultures. So I did get these strong feelings from these two religions because I was somewhat familiar with them. And I don't know if, you know, if you weren't, if you would get that same feeling. But um, according to Imagineer Brian Dixon, it's not, it does have a religious tie, but the intent is to honor the animals rather than the deities, which would typically be associated with the religions. And I thought that was very fitting because, of course, you know, Animal Kingdom, they do have that strong sense of conservation and wanting to connect people with animals and you want to learn about the animals and protect them. So in Tiger Temple, instead of having those typical deities that you would see from Hinduism, per se, you know, they have statues of animals and You know, there's lots of carvings of animals. And of course, the one or I should say the two that stood out the most to me where there is a large statue of a tiger and then you kind of make a a turn and over to that. I think it was on the right. There's a large cobra snake fountain that Brendan would just love. I'm okay with snakes now. I don't know if you got the memo, but you're okay with snakes now. Yep. Now that you're a wild Florida man. Not scared of them anymore. Okay. So the first time we find a snake in our yard, I'm going to hold you to that. I'll be working. I'm sorry. I'm busy. Oh, okay. So it'll have to be outside of your office hours. Correct. Well, I'll hold you to that. But along with these different animal kind of deities, they do have, you know, offerings that have been left in several places. So again, very um, typical kind of referencing the religions that are found in this area. But then I think one of the most kind of iconic parts of this queue, if you can call a queue iconic, um, as you exit Tiger Temple, you enter into Mr. Panicas. Is that how you would say that? I guess so. I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on it. Panica. Panicas. Mr. Panicas shop. Um, 
again, very colorful. There's a lot going on here. Um, and this to me, I think is very interesting because when you talk about like authentic things that they've brought back, there are so many things in this little shop and to imagine that they were all authentic and that they, you know, really bought them from a small little shop kind of warms my heart. Like it's, it's kind of fun, I guess. But the part that I remember the most here was in one section, there were a lot of bird cages hanging from the ceiling. And of course, as me and my sister walked through the queue, you know, I told her like, we have to walk slow. I'm trying to take it all in. We're doing research. And she specifically said, I want to know why there are all these bird cages, because it was kind of interesting. Like typically in America, at least when I think of like bird cages, they're very just like decorative. Like we used a bird cage at our wedding to hold wedding invitations. So we were kind of wondering like, what was the purpose of these? And it turns out that birds are a very common pet in Asia. And all those bird cages represented like a bird market. Now they don't have real birds in them because, you know, animal cruelty and all that. But that's why all the bird cages are there. Never would have known that. Me neither. So now I'm going to go back and I'm going to walk through the queue and think this is a bird market. I wish they had like the sounds because they do pump a lot of sounds into this queue. I wish they would move. I know they've got to have some like retired bird animatronics around. <laughs> like an old tiki bird. <laughs> yeah. An old expired Jose oh my or Pierre. Put him in there. See, I wonder if they didn't do something like that because they're trying to make it authentic. Like, I wonder if they strayed away from animatronic. Anim <laughs> Maybe by the end of this storytelling series, you will be able to say animatronic. Who knows? I wondered if they steered clear of those because that would make it not seem as authentic. So that's kind of leads me into one of the questions that I have about it all this is how do obviously it's done tasteful but i don't know can you cross that line where it's offensive or sacrilegious or anything like that that's just like where my mind wanders to it's like yeah i i love the references to hinduism and buddhism because they are so ingrained in the cultures of these areas that that are represented, but especially when you talk about that, they are honoring the animals instead of the Hindu gods. It's, I don't know. Did, did you, I didn't go through it with you, but you have a better understanding of world religions and a better understanding of the Q. So do you think it could toe that line at all? Or do you think they're good? I mean, I could definitely understand what you're saying. Um, I almost feel like it's, I mean, I feel like it's better that it's not religious because I, I don't think that would be appropriate. Um, just because, I mean, it is a major world religion, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate to just like throw it in a theme park in a queue. Um, I mean, I think the idea, like the intent behind honoring, you know, like the animals, like kind of putting them at the forefront of everybody's mind because 
a big part of this ride is deforestation, which would have, you know, a bad impact on the animals. So, I mean, I see what you're saying. I mean, I guess because I feel like Disney's doing it in a respectful way, like they're not, I don't know. It is kind of strange when you put it like that. Well, I'm just thinking like if we went to any of these locations, you could even say Shanghai Disneyland. If we went to Shanghai and there were like, we got that there were references to Christianity, but they were not references to actual Christianity, but they were like replaced with something else. I don't I don't want to say like we're easily offended, but I think it would be weird. So that's the only thing is I would love to talk to someone who can give us that insight. Yeah, that would be very interesting insight to see how they feel about um, the ties between the two, like kind of what's going on versus what the actual religious practices are because obviously symbolism is a big deal in any religion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe there are some symbols that are too holy to use in a fashion like this. And they steer away from those. And I, I guess the moral of the story is neither of us are qualified to say whether it is or not. Yeah. But that's just something that I want to dive into further. Yeah. That would be a very interesting conversation for sure. Um, but going back to the queue, once you leave the marketplace, you find yourself in the Collie River Expedition's office. And this is where you can hear that pre-recorded voice of Manisha, who is the owner of the Expedition's office, talking. Well, I was going to say she was at the very beginning of this episode. Yes. And she's talking about how her business came into existence. And you can see the raft board with all the different names of the rafts and kind of what those guides had said about them, where they're at, different things like that. However, the most interesting part about this area to me were these paddles that are on the wall and they're drawn on and there are signatures all over them. And the intent there is that they were signed by previous and current raft guides. And according to a cast member who was working in the queue, one of the paddles is signed by the Imagineers who traveled to Asia to help design the attraction. So specifically, when we go back to this queue, I'm going to stop in front of those paddles and take a long, hard look to see if I can find Joe Brody's name. So I'm going to take a shot in the dark here. And I think that if Joe Rody's name is on there, I bet he has an illegible signature. Ooh, that's a yeah, you're probably like a doctor. I like just it's just like kind of like a bunch of scribbles. I, I just get that vibe from Joe Rody that he's not going to. He's not going to be in like perfect penmanship. For so us. new idea. I'm with you. But new idea. We just hang out at Nomad Lounge. For as long as possible until he comes in there and he's ready for a drink. And then we ask him to take us down there and show us his signature on there. If it's on there. Deal. I will take you up on that offer. I was actually telling Brendan before we started recording today 
that if I ever saw Joe Rody and had the opportunity to talk to him, I would probably be speechless. Like, what do you say? Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for this. Like, this is amazing. I don't I don't know. But anyway, talking about just like the immersiveness of the queue, we're still talking about the queue, the ride walkthrough at this point. Yeah, I was about to say we haven't even gotten on the boat. I know. Yet. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Um, you can hear chainsaws in the background. And again, it's very intentional. Brendan had to watch some POVs on YouTube before recording today because he wanted to take it all in. And we had to watch multiple because he didn't think that the chainsaw sound was actually supposed to be there. I thought it was like actual construction happening. Which is fair because Disney has a lot of construction, but it is intentional. And it's because they are, you know, being used for logging along the river, which is illegal. You also didn't help because you told me this is the Halloween Horror Nights overlay. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I egged him on a little, but... Finally, you exit the queue, you are ready to board your raft and they have the fun kind of spinning dock and then you buckle in before taking off. And one thing that we noticed and my sister was quick to point out being the cast member that she is, um, if you ever rode this ride in the past, I don't know when they got rid of them, but they had those kind of gross plastic cubby things in the middle of the raft. They are gone now. They've taking them out because they were so hard to maintain. So now you're just kind of on your own as far as holding your stuff, which was fine for us. But you board your raft and you get take taken up <laughs> by the conveyor belt. Lifted. Lifted, I guess is the better word. You're lifted by the conveyor belt um, where you are released into the river And it's pretty calm at the first part of the ride until, of course, you reach the logging scene and it's charred. It's black. Um, You know, there's nothing there. Of course, there's some steam effects. There are some light effects to make it look like, you know, it's still kind of burning. And at that point, that's where you're stopped and you get the big drop before kind of going on the rest of your journey. And on our ride, I can say nobody on our raft really got like the bad seat. You know, there's always that one person who gets soaking wet, but because of being socially distanced, nobody was in that seat. So I will say it left something to be desired because you want someone to get wet when you ride this ride. But what about you? Do you want to get wet? No, I don't want to get wet. I want to see someone else get wet, though. That's like the, you know, allure of the ride. It's like a a game of chance, you know? We did watch one of the YouTube videos. A grandma got just pummeled. Yes, completely soaked on that big drop. It was a massive wave that came from it. So it is possible. It didn't happen to us. But you kind of wind your way through the rest of the river and then right there at the end kind of as you pass under the bridge towards the entrance of the queue they have these elephants that will spit water onto you before you disembark so all in all it's actually a really really short ride it's just kind of a little 
circle. And that one drop is kind of the big, the big shebang. But it's a fun ride. And the queue is obviously worth it. Is it the best queue on property? I honestly might say yes. I would have said any other day, I would have said Expedition Everest is where it's at. And I do think they're kind of neck and neck, honestly, because Expedition Everest has, you know, the ladder and all the very authentic props too. But this one might just push it over the edge for me as best cue ever. It is amazing to me that on a normal park day, obviously not right now on a normal park day, this always has like a 40 to an hour wait. And I don't know. It's just shocking to me. I, I think it does because there aren't a ton of rides in animal kingdom. And I think it is a good family friendly ride. I do think there's still a, a height restriction for this one. Um, but it's like mild enough and you can't really see the thrill, you know. So if you're trying to like coax your kids onto it, like they don't really know that there's like a drop. Well, I do think that is an interesting point of that there's no part of Animal Kingdom, unless you're in the queue, that you can see Collie River Rapids. Right. Or can you see it on the Maharaja Jungle Trek? Uh, I don't think you can see it there. See, I haven't been on the on that trail in a while. I think you can just kind of see it as you walk back to it. Like there is a bridge, a kind of like Splash Mountain, where there's a little bridge there and you can see the the river. But that's in the queue, right? No. Mm -mm. So where is this? Tell me where. I mean, the bridge is going back to the queue. Like if we were just walking around Asia, no, you can't see the ride. But there's just like a it's just like a little wooden bridge that in that area where you can see just the very end with just the little happy elephant spraying water on you. <laughs> the little statues. I guess I haven't even been back there in so long to even remember that. So you're saying like if I'm looking at Yak and Yeti. And it's over to the right. Like if I'm walking back, back towards the entrance to the queue, you're saying there's a bridge back there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, a very small bridge. You're going to have to walk me there. So I don't, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> okay. I get stopped at Yaki and Yeti. It's so good. I can't. I know. I was like mouth watering when me and Liz were there because I wanted it. I love Yak and Yeti. So let's talk about some of the history and how this came to be and how this got into the parks. So Cali River Rapids opened with the Asia expansion to Disney's Animal Kingdom on March 18th, 1999, which was around 11 months after Animal Kingdom opened to the public. I don't remember that at all. I honestly can't even imagine Animal Kingdom without Asia. It would have been an incredibly small park, I think. Well, and I think that we've talked about in the past that Animal Kingdom had a lot of issues early on, and that probably attributes to it. It's already a park with not a ton of attractions. It is. I hate that these words are going to come out of my mouth, but there are a lot of zoo elements. A lot of people compare it to a zoo. We've heard that from friends, and it broke our heart when they were like, well, I would never pay that much to go to a zoo. 
And we're like, no, it's not a zoo. Yeah. So I, I agree. I mean, I think this it's a more significant conversation when you're talking about Everest because Everest gave it that e-ticket attraction. I don't think Kali River Rapids did that. But no. Nice expansion. Almost a year after the park opened, the original plans for the Asia expansion called for an Asian safari experience to counter the African safari experience at Kilimanjaro. So, again, maybe people a little bit older than us or maybe people more in tune with history knew about this. I had no idea that that was ever on the table. I mean, because it seems so strange that Disney would kind of take a successful ride in the same park and say, well, we're going to do that again. They did want to change it up a little bit. So in order to not duplicate the exact same ride, Imagineer shifted it and decided to make it a raft ride called Tiger Rapids Run or Tiger River Run. They call it both names. They bounced them back and forth. And it would call on similar concepts as something like Walt's original vision for Jungle Cruise, which just made my heart so happy. Yeah. I mean, and again, when talking about Kilimanjaro, it was the same thing. You know, Walt wanted live animals. He wanted that, you know, authentic kind of immersive experience. So, of course, it's always nice to hear that they were thinking of Walt. So just to kind of paint that picture, what the original plan would be is that you would have boarded large yellow rafts and they were almost all tied together and grouped together. And you'd go with this large group out onto your river trek in order to see the different Asian animals. So you would have seen rhinos, elephants, and many, many other um, Asian wildlife. The funniest thing is tigers were never part of the plants. I was about to ask, would there be tigers? Because, I mean, we do have the cheetahs and the lions and Kilimanjaro, but it would be interesting to see how they would do that with a raft ride. At least never on paper. It seems like they never planned that tigers. Of course, tigers were part of Animal Kingdom, but they would not be viewable from Tiger River Run. Yeah, that, <laughs> there's a disconnect there. So. That was a plan. You'd go through this area where you could you'd pass through an Indian palace and then the scene depicting the deforestation got its early legwork in this concept. And then finally they would unhook all of these different big yellow rafts and you would go through a white water rafting adventure, like individually with your smaller group. Hmm. That's, I mean, that sounds fun. It does sound fun. Kind of like an added like twist thrill kind of thing. So let's talk about, so it was next for, a couple of reasons. And then I want to talk about what you think this would have looked like. But um, a couple of things. Imagine yourself that the screams of the guests on the whitewater rapids portion would startle the animals and they couldn't find a way to slow the rafts down to a slow enough speed so that you could observe the animals like you do on Kilimanjaro, where you do the stop and you wait and you see what's happening. Hope you get a giraffe jam. <laughs> You, They couldn't really do that with moving water. You know, that's something that I don't think I ever would have thought of, honestly. But it makes a good point because 
when you do see a rare animal or they're doing something cool, you know, your guide always stops the truck for you so that you can get a picture or a better look or whatever it might be. And yeah, that would be pretty upsetting if you just like flew by him. So how it's so hard to tell, but how successful do you think a ride like this would have been? I can picture like hours long waits to get on something like this, to see live animals from a boat. Oh, I mean, it sounds wildly entertaining. I mean, because I think it's everything that's great about Kilimanjaro, everything, you know, that we raved about when we talked about that attraction, but it is a water experience. So it is like the thrill element that Kilimanjaro just doesn't really have. Like, it's not thrilling. I wouldn't call it thrilling. Do you, I feel like they would have definitely put in some cheesy story like they did of Big Red and Little Red. Hey, now. Those are fighting words. That was a great story. You don't think that's a cheesy story? No. So, but the idea was still the same, though. The same way that Kilimanjaro, its main message is poaching is bad. The same thing is true for Tiger River Run. The idea was deforestation is bad. The only thing I'll have to say about that is there is the deforestation scene. And you do get to see, you know, the drastic difference between like the lush jungles versus the deforestation. I almost wish there was like more to bring it home. Like I feel like at Kilimanjaro Safari, you know, you have the warden who talks about it. Um, Like in the little the pre videos, like in the queue as you're walking up to it. I feel like there's almost not enough like i i don't think you can miss it riding the ride because the ride itself there's not a lot going on i mean you're on a raft in the river so right now you're talking about kali as it is right yeah okay and and just the the message of deforestation i feel like it's there but i almost feel like there's still like a disconnect like the queue itself is so amazing and immersive and you know you get that feeling and there are hints about deforestation like even in the um the expedition office office for example there's a radio that's talking about how they're not supposed to send out any more boats because of the loggers you know and that is a problem that needs to get resolved but that is so easy to miss I wish it was almost more in your face. So I have a theory as to why you feel this way. Okay. And this is spoiling what I was going to talk about later, but I'll go ahead and talk about it now. I think because this is a water raft ride and 90% of amusement parks and theme parks in America, well, even in the world, have this exact same ride in a different version. I think it takes away from the story. I I honestly think it it's it was lazy. What the the choice of the the ride? choice of going with a white water river rapids ride. I know you weren't here when this happened, but my family grew up going to Opryland. 
Probably <laughs> one of the most low budget amusement parks on planet Earth, but we loved it. Loved it. And Opryland, USA in Nashville, Tennessee had a water rapids ride that was longer than this. But have you ever rode this ride? I think so. I read it what on you YouTube. Think? We're going <laughs> to we're going to go toe to toe with that. That's a pretty bold claim. But I see what I see your point for sure. Just like how if if Splash Mountain didn't have all and I know it's gone it's going to be gone. We're very excited for Princess and the Frog, but I do think we can still appreciate the ride for it is, even though the source material sucks. But the ride itself, there is so much backstory and groundwork laid before it's just a log flume. That's what it is. And again, almost every theme park in the world has a log flume ride, but Splash Mountain is elevated because it lays the groundwork of the storytelling aspect. And I think it's so it's apparent based on your ride walkthrough that you spent 90% of the time talking about the queue. And then it's like, then you get on a raft and you go down a hill and you see a scene of deforestation and some elephants spray on you. And that's (laughs) it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the ride itself, and this will come through in our scores. um, The queue, 100 out of 10. Pure perfection the ride itself could use something and and maybe again i know maybe they didn't go this route because they wanted it to be more authentic and like just like kilimanjaro they took away you know the red animatronic and things like that to make it more like focus on the real but it's almost like they need you know like on that um journey up (laughs) they need something maybe that's when they play the clip about oh turn back or you know this isn't safe because of loggers i don't know but like something that you can't miss i feel like would just like put this ride on the next level as far as storytelling yeah Again, I mean, I'm going to talk about it later. I don't know. I'm going to really nail this home. So <laughs> I'm sorry if you like disagree with me, but I do feel strongly about that. This, this is such a rich story and so much work is put in to tell you the story in the queue. And then it there's there's no payoff. I don't know if I'd say no payoff, but we'll circle back to this. We'll circle back. So back to. To finish out the history of how this came to be. So they cut Tiger River Run. They cut the palace scene. And what was and they cut the live animals. So then what was left was River Rapids and Deforestation. So that's where we got this. And they adopted the namesake from the Hindu goddess Kali, who they say represents the destructive forces of nature. So Catherine, you looked up. An alternative meaning of Kali or what she represents. Yeah. And I don't want to say like alternative because, you know, these deities, they do have multiple um, 
you know, associations and things like that. So that still might be true, you know, a destructive force of nature. But I wanted to make sure that Kali actually was a Hindu goddess. I had never heard of her before. You know, we teach about others, but she's not so much one of the main the main ones we've learned about in school. So I had to look up, you know, what her claim to fame is here. And Kali, it says, is the Hindu goddess of death, time, and doomsday. And to just add to it, also a symbolic, she's symbolic of motherly love. Now, I don't really understand how death and doomsday also goes with motherly love. Maybe I'll get it when I'm a mom someday. Dog mom doesn't quite cut it, but I thought that was quite interesting that that was the description that I found from other sources out there. She's somewhere in the middle, I guess. Somewhere. I mean, I guess I get the, you know, the destructive part definitely seems to be there. Is it? I mean, I kind of get like mother nature vibes and it's like you, you can upset her. But I don't know. I could, I could see that. Have to do more research into that. Yep. Um, very last thing that I thought was interesting. There are, and I want to know if you caught any of these. There are two distinct smells that are pumped in to the queue and into the very beginning of the ride. Did you catch a whiff of anything that you could point out? You know, I, I really didn't. I didn't catch any whiffs. <laughs> Jasmine and ginger. Hmm. Do you know where they they get? You just said they're pumped in at the beginning. It's I think it's in the indoor parts of the queue. So in the Tiger Temple and Mr. Pease. I can't remember <laughs> his name. Mr. Pease shop. Okay. And then I think like as you're boarding your raft. See, I feel like there's just so much going on when you board the raft because, you know, they're directing you which raft to go to. And then, of course, the, you know, it's moving. So you're trying not to fall. And then you got to figure out which seat is yours. I feel like that's a kind of chaotic time to pump some smells in there. I do think it might help get rid of like kind of like a musty, you know, like water smell. I know, but that's something that comes to mind. Like even when you think about Splash Mountain, people say that. It does not have, I will say, well, I don't know. Does it have the same water smell that Splash or Pirates do? No, I, I didn't catch that. I can't remember the chemical that they use. It starts with a B. Oh, I don't know. I didn't catch it. Again, we didn't really get that wet, so it's not like I was covered in it. (laughs) I feel like we've already put in a lot of our opinions, so I want to give the listeners a break from our ranting. Ranting. And let's share what our friends from Facebook had to say about this ride. So, of course, every single week we go to our Facebook group when we ask for people's scores or stories or opinions on the attractions that we're going to do in the storytelling episode. I think Collie River Rapids got the most responses that we've ever got. I I think it's just one of those rides. Again, you love it or you hate it. And I think honestly, just with it being a water ride, people have strong opinions because you have the people 
like my mom who just love it, love it, love it. And then others who will like vow to never ride it again. Yeah. So if you would like to contribute for a future episode, you can hit the link in our show notes to join our podcast community or search detour to Neverland podcast community and you can find it there. So I'm going to go through these. Uh, We won't share the full ones because some people have some very strong opinions. And yeah, these are some long ones too. So our friend Robert from the Talking Llama podcast said, I've always skipped this one, but I'll need to check it out when I'm in the parks next month. And I think that's fair. And and so uh, we'll have to get Robert's review of it. The funny thing that I found on this was our friend Amy said, it's not unrideable. It's just a really boring rapid ride (laughs) was her advice to Robert. And again, very fair. The cue, though, the cue. So Amy then gave her score below. She gave it a three and a half. Scored it highest in rewritability, fast pass worthy and thrill. Scored it lowest in love it or miss it and standby worthy. Yes. I did think it was interesting. Uh, Amy gave a good explanation. And this is another one. I don't have the understanding of how it is, but it's, she said, compared to Popeye's over in Islands of Adventure, Kali River Rapids is a snooze fest. I think I like the lift hill with the statues right off the bat the best. I have been on that one before. It's been years. But I do think even just to make it more exciting, maybe if there were more, and again, I would probably hate this in there, like in actuality, but just more like water elements, like more surprises, more, you know, opportunity to get wet. I don't know. That might make it a little more exciting. Our friend Erica said that this is a poor man's Grizzly River run. We did ride Grizzly River run when we were in California Adventure. I loved it. It is a lot of fun. But you can put a 30 foot tall bear wearing a life vest and a helmet and holding a paddle out in front of anything. And I'm probably going to love it. I was going to say, we're also very jaded when it comes to anything Disneyland, because I think we were just so excited to be there that we would have said that anything is awesome, except for maybe Goofy Sky School. But everything else was awesome. Our friend Catherine gave it a 4.25. She said, I believe the last time I rode this, we had to make a trip to the outlets for new shoes because they got ruined from all the water. I will say, and I don't know, because wet feet and water, I mean, this is a very common thing for this rapids ride. But if you could like hold them up, maybe, or even like in the center, they do have like a little bar where maybe you could put your feet on. Maybe that would help a little if you're looking to ride this in the future. Maybe just give it a shot. I don't know if it works or not, but Stacy said unpopular opinion here with a 6.75 because she loves it. She said going on with a big group and filling the entire raft is the best. Having been stuck under the squirt guns and been soaked in good fun by other guests. Um, And obviously that was closed when we were there. She said, not being a big Everest fan, it's my go-to for fast past um, with Flight of Passage or Navi and Kilimanjaro Safari. So there are big fans. And that's why I love asking people because 
you know, some people give it a very low score and some people give it a very high score. But I do think that is such a valid point that if you go on this with a big group, you are bound to have fun. And I do think we mentioned it when we did the Grizzly River run in Disneyland. But even Stacy mentions it, too, is, you know, you kind of form that camaraderie with the people you're with because it is like, who's going to get wet? Who's going to go down backwards? Who's going to get hit by the, you know, elephant and different things like that. So it does kind of, you know, bond you for that, you know, four minute ride, whatever it might be. I don't really know how long the ride is. 45 seconds. No, it's not. I I will say I will never forget the group that we rode Grizzly River Run with. That's what I'm saying. It's it's very like ingrained in my mind, you know, just being with those other people because it is so funny. It was hilarious because they they were younger and they had like put a lot of effort, I think, into looking good that park day. <laughs> and so they were very, very animated. Whenever they were they go. so soaked. Like pay for the heater soaked <laughs> because you're just dripping. But anyway. Our friend Amanda said, no way. I do not like rider water rides like this. I can stand a little water, but the chance of getting soaked. No, thanks. And I think that's the reason why many people skip it. Yep. Yep. It's just that unknown, which is also kind of thrilling. Um, Ryan said he gave it a two and a half, but he thought it would be lower. Um, He said he's been on it three times since it opened. The second time he brought sandals, which is a good maybe pro tip if you're like us and you hate wet shoes. He said the most recent time was last summer. He was reluctant to ride because he had a brand new pair of shoes, but it all worked out in the end. I'm just picturing someone like (laughs) holding their legs up as high as they possibly can. Oh, that would be me for 100%. My mom commented, of course, and said she personally loves it. We'll get to that story, mom. Uh, Sean gave it a solid seven and a half. Lauren said too darn short. I mean, I think that surmises all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Katie had a long one, too. She said it scores a seven in her book. That's a very high score. Um, She knows lots of people just rule it out because it gets them wet, but it's genuinely fun and just enough of a thrill. It's a great immersion into the Asia area. The only complaint is once she got stuck in the line for about 30 minutes right in front of where you board because it was down and then she had to exit through the queue, which, like I mentioned before, is so long. So I can imagine that would be kind of that would be a downer for sure. And then last one, our friend Abby said, I remember it as just a disappointing version of Grizzly River Run, but under the right weather or outfit or shoe combinations, it can be fun. On Grizzly River Run, my favorite part is when you get in a raft and either a really fun group of strangers or people have no idea what they're in for. It's fun to laugh at each other when you inevitably get soaked. I think all those are very solid. I do think it um, for our Disneyland folks. I can see how it's and this is the mark. I think just the fact that it's a shorter ride, because honestly, again, I don't think it's the storytelling that people are missing. And I say that, but I don't really remember like the story behind Grizzly River Run, although I just know there's a big bear involved. Um, 
And he's looked so happy. And he is so happy and cute. Um, but I don't think it's the storytelling. I think it's just the ride itself. And I'd say that's fair. I think Grizzly River Run came second. So they probably upped their rapid building skills a little bit. But the theming, I think, is where this ride just takes the cake. Um, you're on the spot. Hot take time. I wish we knew his name. Grizzly River Run, big guy or Gertie. One has to go and one has to stay. Oh, come on. You can't do that. That's what we need to do. We need to do a ranking of, <laughs> of strange <laughs> statues. Yeah. I mean, that bear. He's up there. But Gertie serves ice cream out of her belly. Well, that's true. But she's not nearly as happy looking. Okay. Like that guy just looks so like dorky and cute. What about Gertie's cousin in Dinoland USA? Mm. I wish we knew more story about him. You know, maybe maybe we'll have to look him up. That's going to be a new storytelling episode. Is <laughs> looking at giant dinosaur statues. So final thoughts, Catherine. Final thoughts. I mean, for me, speaking from the storytelling aspect, I learned so much. I think it is everything that you would ever want to get from going to Animal Kingdom. I think it speaks to the message of, you know, conservation and doing your part and just maybe opening people's eyes to some of these problems like deforestation. I think it, again, it doesn't do it as much as I think it could, but I think maybe it at least starts a conversation where kids who ride the ride might ask, well, you know, what was happening or what was that? And then, you know, hopefully parents can explain. I think the cue itself is, magical i think i want to just walk through the queue all day well i was gonna say is this something where you would walk through the queue and then opt out at the last minute mm, i think i would always get on the ride just because okay i guess for someone who has zero interest in the ride would you recommend them doing like we've said that for tower of terror like even if you don't want to ride the elevator at all go up until the very last second because the pre-show and the storytelling and the immersion is so fantastic. Do you think this falls into that same category? Oh, yeah. I would put this into that category. I would say, yeah, if you just don't want to get wet, the feet thing, whatever, walk through the queue. It is long. Um, at least most of it is covered. I don't think any of it is air conditioned. So, you know, you're not going to get like super cool breezes or anything like that. But I do think you'll get a deeper appreciation for the Asia area and for all the hard work that the Imagineers put into it. So I just think that's my biggest takeaway is I think this made me genuinely excited about this ride. I feel like I played all my cards already here. Yeah, I don't know if I really have anything to say. I I just think that the story is so rich. And I mean, they go as far as to have a recording from the owner of the tour company. I mean, it's very, very similar, I think, in that aspect to Everest. 
mm-hmm. is that there is a very, very deep story that is being told to you that, and that it's something that you can catch pieces of it just on the surface, but there's also more that you can research and there's more that the more times you write it, you'll notice new things or pick up a new sound clip that you didn't hear before. I just think that the ride itself does a horrible injustice to how rich the story is. Yeah, I think it's set up so beautifully that I do wish it tied in completely. I don't think it's a lost cause. I think maybe there are things that they could add or do to it, but I don't know if they would ever really go back and put that effort into it. Because like you said, it is a River Rapids ride and there is only so much you can do. But I would highly recommend at least going through the queue. We'll have to do it. Yes. So are you ready to share your score? I gave it a four. Oof. I scored it lowest and fast pass worthy. I said that I would never fast pass it. Honestly, I mean, because Animal Kingdom, like if I run out of worthy fast passes, I'm just going to walk around the Tree of Life or walk on Jungle Trek or Maharaja. So to me, like this falls lower than both of those. So I feel like my time is better spent elsewhere. Uh, It does nothing for me on nostalgia. I mean, I guess maybe it does a little bit just because it's a rapid ride and you get a little bit of that. And then I scored it highest in the immersion factor. Yeah, very fair. So I gave this one a six and a half and I was trying not to let my newfound appreciation affect my score, but I do think it did um, because I, I did my scores after I did my research, but I gave it full points for immersion and I did give it full points for nostalgia. And it is because I vividly remember we would go on big family vacations with my family as a kid, with all the grandparents, my cousin, my aunt, and um, we'd rent a big house together and we'd go to Disney. And back in the days of Animal Kingdom having parades, um, we brought my grandma, my mom's mom with us and she had one of those scooters. So I just remember spending the whole day with her. She ran into everything with her scooter. And then we convinced her to go on this river rapids ride and talk about pure joy, put a grandma on a river rapids ride. <laughs> so I think that's where this one does give me nostalgic feelings. Of course, I didn't understand the storytelling at all then. Um, and smile factor, I gave it full points because. It does make me smile. Um, Just the little excitement of who's going to go backwards, who's going to get wet. Um, You kind of never know what's going to happen. And even with rewritability, I think um, this ride itself has good rewritability factors to it. Do you say just because like your seat depends on that or because there's so much stuff to look at in the queue? Both. Honestly, yeah. I'd I'd say both because I think it is a ride where each time is different because of the people, because of um, just the seat that you're in and the things that you see. I think 
you know, you could ride this ride many times and see something new. So that did it for me, a six and a half. It is a pretty high score. And I am surprised because I, someone expected this one to get a pretty low score for me. I guess that brings us to the end, which means Brendan gets to pick next week's topic. So do you have something picked out? I actually don't. So I'm going to have to think of something. I want you to help me. Okay. Our rotation, we will be going out west next week. So we'd pick something from Disneyland or DCA. Hmm. So what is, you have any good candidates? I'm thinking there's so many because we really know nothing about Disneyland or DCA. So I think there's a lot of potential. All right. I have my choice. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Oh, man. Okay. So I think it's only appropriate that we watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2 this week. Mm Mm-hmm. For research purposes. For research purposes. Well... In the name of research, I guess we're up for the challenge. So we will be back on Friday to talk about visiting the Walt Disney World parks and all of the differences between each of them going on right now. We'll then be back on the following Monday with an interview with a podcast uh, with Danny and Tony from Mouse Park Insider. So if you want to catch up on some of their episodes before then, highly recommend that. And we'll just keep this train rolling from there. Yeah, it'll be uh, August before we know it. Isn't that crazy? Don't say that. It's kind of crazy. Enjoy your week and we hope you can join us on Friday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.